Hey, good evening. Welcome to our Bible study here at St. Matthew's United Methodist Church. I'm glad to be with you tonight as we study God's Word together on our next to last Bible study of the semester here at St. Matthew's. This will, we have two, two more weeks of Bible study here, and I will take a little break for the summer. I'll continue with my daily reflections. I know some of you follow me online on Facebook or on uh, our webpage and through email. I'll continue doing my daily reflections through Rooted in Christ through the summer, but we'll have one more, one more session for our Bible study, and then we will uh, take the summer off, and we'll restart in August. And I, I plan and anticipate having in-person Bible study next, uh, next semester here on Wednesday Night Live, so I look forward to that and figuring out what that looks like in the coming months. It's going to be great to be back with you uh, for Bible study. Bible study works better, in my opinion, when, when you're together and when you have a uh, the interplay and the questions. If you'll notice, my Bible studies throughout for really this last few months have been shortened to about 30 minutes, a Bible study, just because uh, an hour is a long time for one person's voice. Um, so it's Bible study goes better when you're having conversation. So I'll look forward to having that with you um, Next semester. Um, tonight we're gonna we have two more lessons. Like I said, the last few last few weeks we've been looking at kind of the top six things I think we really did, need to understand, and uh, they've had different movements. Week one and week two were on creation and on the fall. We were made in God's image, and the fall corrupted that image of God. Um, we were made good, sin entered in. So that's the the first two weeks. The next two weeks were kind of, if you will, God's response to the fall. And of course, to say that it was God's response is to, if we aren't careful, it would imply that God didn't know we were going to fall, that God was caught off guard by this, which simply isn't the case because God was always at work in all of these things. So this was God's plan and God's design the entire time. So we, we, but I'm calling it God's response because that's what it was, but I don't want to imply that God was caught off guard by our actions. But God's response to sin was first the cross, which atoned and paid the price for our sins. Then it was the resurrection, which destroyed the power of death. So if the first two were creation and the fall, the next two were God's response to to the fall, the next two are going to be, well, what is our part in this? And so today we're going to talk about the church, what it means to be part of the church. And then the last part, we're going to talk about the new creation and what eternity will look like. So tonight we're going to look at the church. Um, and honestly, if you, if you want to talk about the church, there really is no better place to go for the church than the book of Acts. Um, you may or may not know, but the book of Acts was, well, the, the St. Luke wrote two volumes of history. Uh, the first was the Gospel of Luke, and that was the history of Jesus. Uh, Luke was a, was, a, he was a Gentile doctor, and his, he, he really, you can tell when you read the Gospel of Luke and also the book of Acts, you see the amount of research and effort Luke put in to his writing. Very detailed very structured, very smart, very intelligent. You can see just the levels of intelligence and effort that Luke has as you read his work. But uh, he has two volumes. The first volume, the Gospel of Luke, is the history of, the history of Jesus. Jesus' life, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. Jesus' story. But the second volume is the book of Acts. 
it, the book of Acts is full title. If the gospel is the gospel according to St. Luke, the book of Acts is, um, is the Acts of the Apostles. This is the second one of Luke's histories. If volume one is the history of Jesus, volume two is the history of the church and what the church looked like and what the church went through. So if you want to understand the church, you need to understand the book of Acts because the book of Acts tells the beginning history of the early church. So what we're going to do <coughs> tonight is we're going to look at really what it means to be part of the church. And um, we're going to look at uh, primarily Acts chapter 2. We'll pretty much look at this entire chapter. This gives a real good foundation for the church and what the church is about and what it means to be part of the church. So we're, we're going we're gonna, to... Um, not read every last verse in Acts chapter two, but we're gonna we're gonna spend our time tonight in Acts two, and then kind of kind of chase a, a rabbit after we've spent some time in Acts two. But first, starting in Acts chapter two, verse one. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came the sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among all of them, and the tongue rested upon each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Okay, and then it goes on to tell what they heard. Um, verse, verse, uh, um, verse 5 says, uh, They were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. The sound of the crowd became at the sound of the crowd became gathered and became bewildered because each of them heard speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, "Are not these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it we hear each of us in our own native language?" Um, so we see the spirit fall. Then we're going to read verse um, <clears throat> verse first uh, fourteen. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this was what was spoken to the prophet Joel. And then I want to um, uh, skip to um, verse um, 22. You that are Israelites, listen to me, listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders, and signs that God did through him among you. As you yourselves know, this man handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law. But God raised him up, freeing him, and having freed him from death, because it was impossible for him to be held in power, for his power. For David says, I saw the Lord before me, for he is at my right hand that I will not be shaken. Um, then um, verse 37 says, When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, that your sins may be forgiven. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children, for all who are far away, everyone on whom the Lord God calls to him. They testified with many of the arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed this message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Okay, so I really want to talk about these first, this first section, and then we'll talk about a few other things after that. But really, what I wanted you to hear 
was on Pentecost Sunday, the disciples were together and the Spirit fell upon them. And then they were empowered to form the church. Pentecost is the birthday of the church. If Christmas Day is Jesus' birthday, then Pentecost is the birthday of the church. Pentecost is actually a Jewish holiday. It's the Festival of Booths, I believe is what it is. And uh, it was a day when uh, devout Jews from all over would have been gathered together. And that's what happens. They're here in Jerusalem uh, celebrating the Pentecost when the Spirit falls and they go outside and preach. And um, real quick, though, <clears throat> something I want you to understand is um, the nature of Scripture is that Scripture is um, symmetrical. So let's look at um, how Scripture begins and how it ends. Scripture begins in a garden. Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. Uh, they fell. They were cast out. But Scripture begins in a garden. How does, if you were to hit fast forward to go to the end of the book, the Bible to Revelation, where does Scripture end? Well, likewise, it ends in a garden. God restores what sin has taken. Scripture, in many ways, is the recovery. It's the story of the recovery of what sin has taken. So Scripture is about that restoration. And in many ways, you see the Bible marked in that way, that the Bible is very symmetrical. You see things duplicated. So let me give you an example of this. Babel is in many ways about the curse of human pride. So when you read the story of Babel in, in, uh, in the book of Genesis, you see in Babel, you see all of human humanity together, speaking one language, having one purpose and one goal, and in their pride, they decide to build a tower to heaven um, to show how powerful and strong they were. So God comes down, uh, he, he then confuses them, and they leave. So Babel, the people come as one, and because of their pride and their sin, they leave as many. They come speaking one language, they come being one people, and after Babel, because of their pride, they're scattered. They go out into all the world. The one become many. Okay, let's look at the bookend of that, the symmetrical understanding of that, which is Pentecost. On Pentecost, the many from all over the world come. What happens at Pentecost? They hear Easter on language, the story of Christ. And the many become one. Babel, the one become many. Pentecost, the many become one. Language is confused. Language is understand. One, many cultures are produced. Many cultures, one church is produced. Babel is the reverse. Babel is the recovery from the, I'm sorry, Pentecost is the recovery from the curse of Babel. Babel, the many become one. Pentecost, I'm sorry, Babel, the one become many. Pentecost, the many become one. Babel is recovery of that. that. Isn't that beautiful? The way scripture works, the way when you understand scripture is one beautiful interconnected story. It is a truly beautiful and holy thing. And that scripture is just such a beautiful thing for us to read and to ponder and for us to understand. But um, we see, um, 
we see here in this, and what I want you to understand about the church we see here in Acts is we see a couple of key things. First, we see what happens in verse 22. We see the foundations of the church, that the, found, the church was founded upon this good news of Jesus Christ. Verse 22 said, you, are Israel, you, you that are Israelites, listen, you've heard me say, you've heard it, listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, the man attested to you by God with deeds of power. And Peter goes on to tell the story of Jesus. So on, on Pentecost Sunday, they come together and Peter proclaims to teach the story of Jesus, teach the truth of Jesus. He was given by God, crucified, dead, resurrected. We see that the foundation of the church is, is Jesus. We see if we were to go over into, uh, into the book of Colossians, Paul's, uh, Paul's teach, one of Paul's wonderful letters. We could see this also in, in, second, in 1 Corinthians when he teaches about the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, he talks about, talks about the gift of the Spirit. But um, we see when we, uh, when we read in Colossians chapter 1, where he says, um, He is the visible image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For, for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that, all, that he might come to have first place in everything. The church is... Christ body, and he is the head of it. This is not my church. Frankly, it's not your church. We're part of the church. <clears throat> but the church is Christ's body, and the church is built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. He is the, he is the doorway and the gateway into the church, for we enter into the church by belief in Jesus Christ. Christ is the door. His life, his death, his resurrection are the door through which we enter into the church. And it is his body. And that's so important for us to know and for us to understand. As much as the church can devolve into issues of worship preference or theological preference or denominational stuff or whatever, the church can devolve into a whole host of divisions and struggles and places because the church is made up of humans. And we humans are imperfect creatures, and we're going to get stuff wrong, and we're going to focus on the wrong things sometimes, and we're going to have struggles and fights and fusses and all kind of stuff like that. That's the way it works. The church is imperfect because it's us, made up of us. But the church is beautiful because it's Christ's body. And sometimes we make the mistake of focusing too much on our human expressions and divisions of the church that we don't truly reflect upon the eternal nature and beauty of the church. One of my favorite, because think about how many of us have been hurt by the church or have problems with the church or have had conflict with the church or our issues or fusses with the church. We, we, many of us have been there. The, the church is imperfect. It is an imperfect body. It is. Because it's, it's made up of people. And anything made up of people is going to make mistakes. But I love the quote by Augustine. Augustine said this, because there's always been conflict with the church and the imperfect nature of the church and struggles with the church and the humanness of the church comes through. Um, and Augustine said this, and this is, a, this is a strong quote, but it was by Augustine, so, it's, so I'm just quoting here. Augustine said this, 
if the church is a prostitute, then my mother is a whore. In other words, yes, the church is imperfect. And yes, the church is broken and fallible. And yes, the church is not all that it's cracked up to be sometimes, but yes, it falls. But it's through the church that we're born because it's through the church we meet Jesus. It's through the church we come to know him. It's through the church that we come to understand his goodness, his mercy, his salvation. And as Christians, we're called to be part of his body. We need this body. We need this community. We need the support. We need this. We are called to be part of the body. We see this on Pentecost Sunday because what happens is they hear Christ preach. They hear him proclaim, and they gather together for the teaching of the word. They gather together for the community. They gather together for the support. They gather together for all of these things. Yes, the church is imperfect, but it's Christ's body. And we are part of him, and we are part of it. And we can't do this by ourselves, y'all. We can't do this journey and this work by ourselves. We need the church, and we need each other, and we need his body. We desperately need it. So the first thing you need to understand about the church is that it is founded upon Jesus Christ, upon his teachings. We see, uh, we see um, in, uh, in, in verse 42, they were devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, and the breaking of bread and prayer. So we see early on that uh, one of the first things that the church is built around is the teaching of the apostles, which we see the teaching of the apostles laid out by Peter. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. So the foundation of the church is Jesus. But we see that the, that the church is empowered by the Holy Spirit because it's the Spirit that gives birth to the church. It, we, we, we um, in the season of Lent, did a, a sermon series on the Apostles' Creed. And as part of that, with the Apostles' Creed, we uh, talk, We broke down the creed into its different parts. In the last stanzas, I believe in the uh, Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church. Catholic meaning universal. We talked about that earlier with uh, Babel, Babylon, Babel rather. Um, but um, the church is birthed by the Spirit. If the church is founded upon Christ, the church is birthed by the Spirit. Because the Spirit that gives birth gives Gives, gives the beginnings, gives the foundations of the church. So the church is founded upon Jesus, but it's empowered by the Spirit. It's the Spirit that makes this possible. The church opens us up to the Spirit through worship, through, through preaching, through service, through all these things. The church is empowered by the Spirit. He says when you, when you get saved, you get baptized, when you, when, you, when you join this body, we have the Spirit. In fact, it's only through the Spirit that we can even become a Christian because it's only through the Spirit that we can profess Christ. So, yes, it's founded upon Christ, but it is birthed by the Spirit. We are a Spirit-filled body. That's what we're about. That, that's how we do this is through the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's founded upon Christ and upon his work, but it is empowered by the Spirit. We cannot do this without the work of the Spirit amongst us. So, so I want you to understand that the church, founded upon Jesus, empowered by the Spirit. These two things are are, are so important. The gift of salvation is a Trinitarian act. We are brought to the Father by the Son through the Spirit. We are made right with the Father by the sacrifice of the Son, which comes to us through the gift of the Spirit. Well, the church is empowered by that Spirit. The Spirit makes all this possible. So, founded upon Jesus, empowered by the Spirit. Then, real quick, I want you, I want you to see um, what the life of the church looks like. 
I'm going to read with verse, I'm going to read verse 42 again, then read through the end of the chapter. They have devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the, and, and the prayers. And all came upon everyone because of the many wonders and signs that were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and the goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, they spent much time together in the temple. They broke bread at home and ate the food with glad and generous heart, praising God and having goodwill to all the people. The Lord, and day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. We see in this example here what the church is about. You see the importance of, of the teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Uh, we, that's verse 42. Um, it says uh, the, uh, the wonders being done by the apostles. They had all, had all common. They, they spent time together in the temple, broke bread, praising God. We see that, they're, that this community is built around worship. So we see it's built around worship, the teaching of the apostles. We see correct doctrine and correct teaching is important. We see, here's one of your, one of your uh, keys to Scripture. Anytime you see the phrase, verse 42, the breaking of bread and prayers, um, verse, uh, verse 46, day by day they spent time together in the temple. They broke bread at home and, and ate their food with glad and generous hearts. So it's not like they ate a lot. They must have been hung, some hungry folk. This is one of the first churches that started, and they were already going, beating their folk, everybody to the buffet. Is that what this is about? Is this about the importance of church potlucks? Well, we church folk do like to eat. But anytime in Scripture you see the phrase breaking bread, you need to train your eyes and your ears at that point to hear that being a reference to communion. This shows the importance of the Eucharist of communion to the centrality of Christian worship. So we see early on in the life of the church, it was devoted to the teachings of the apostles, to the correct Christian doctrine, to the breaking of bread, to worship, to communion, to taking care of each other. Where it says, um, it says they would sell all their possessions and goods and distribute to the proceeds to all as they had need. They uh, they took care of each other, they loved each other. Tertullian, one of the first, one of the early church fathers, once said, "Oh, those Christians, oh how they love each other." Does the world say that about us now? Does the world see us now bound together by shared doctrine? Does the world see us together now bound by? the importance of worship? Does the world see us bound together now by our love for each other? The early church truly lived in community, community bound together by doctrine, by worship, and by service. Are we doing that now? Do we share in community with each other now in the same way? Do we share the same things with each other now in the same way? And look how the Lord's blessing it. They devoted themselves in daily, on the first day, 3,000 were added to their number. The end of the day, in the chapter said, day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. We see the early church blossoming and growing because they were not focused on church growth or they were not focused on all these things. They were focused on teaching the apostles' teachings, on, you, on communion, on worship, and on service. That's how we get, that's how we, you know, that's how we grow the church. We don't grow the church via charismatic preachers. We don't grow the church by having the coolest worship services. We grow the church by focusing on what matters.
Focusing on Jesus. I've often told churches when I, when I meet with them that our, our job is not to, our, my job as a preacher is not to grow the church. My job as a preacher is to help our church build the kingdom in our community. If we focus on the kingdom, God will um, take care of the church. If we focus on the church, God, God may kill it. God, God may prune it if, uh, if we focus on ourselves. So we see that the church is founded upon Jesus. It's empowered by the Spirit. And it values community as expressed through worship, through teaching, and through service. And then ultimately the job of the church is to be the body of Christ in our communities, to incarnate the world. Because in, in, in Christ, God became, dwelt among us. And that's what John 1 says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, the Word was with God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In Christ Jesus, God incarnated the world, and God dwelt among us. Well, now God continues to dwell among us through the empowered body, living out the Spirit. Our job is to be Christ in this world, to be his hands and to be his feet, and to live out his mission for this world. So just as Christ came, just as God came incarnate through Christ in this world, we as the church now must be the incarnate body of Christ in this world. We must inhabit the presence of Christ. We must be that physical embodiment of who Christ is in this world. So the question is, are we living out the gospel that Christ would have us to live out? Are we living out his love, his mercy, his salvation, his grace? Are we being the hands and feet of Jesus in the way that he would have us be his hands and his feet? That's our mission, y'all. Christ came and was the very presence of God in a world in desperate need of hearing it and seeing it. Well, now Christ has ascended to the Father. He's given the world his church, given the world his body. Are we living that out? Y'all, the church is so important. I love the church. I am thankful to be a part of the church. Not just because I'm a preacher. I tell people I, I work for the church no more. Well, I do probably work for the church more as a staff person. But if I wasn't a preacher, if I was just a generic person living in the world, I would plug into a local church, and I would worship weekly. I would serve every day. I would find a way to live out the gospel in my life because I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian, and I need the church, and you need the church, and we need the church. We see in Acts chapter 2 that the early church began in this moment. It changed the world. Friends, that's our calling today as well, to be the church to live out in community, to live out his grace, and to live out his purpose. So let's be the church. May, may that be our mission. May that be our goal. May we live out the good news of Jesus Christ together as his body in a world in desperate need. Through his grace, may it be so. Thanks for joining us for Bible study tonight. Um, we'll have one more week next week. We'll talk about the, the kingdom that is to come. Hey, thanks for joining us tonight. It's always a joy to be with you. And I look forward to being with you next week. Worship with us Sunday, stm-umc.org slash live. Um, no sign-ups required to worship anymore. Just come show up, be with us. I can't wait to worship with you. Uh, see you um, See you Sunday in worship. See you next week online for Bible study. Thanks for being part of us. Thanks.